Welcome in, everybody, to Mad Talk Sports, episode 33. Your usual host, Joe, here, and joined by a returning guest, Fur. What's up, everyone? Happy to be here. Episode 33. Can't believe we made it this far. Let's get it. <laughs> and this is Fur's first time joining on the video uh, the video podcast here. He's repping the Eddie Lacey uh, memorial memorabilia right behind him on uh, top of his was a right shoulder. So yeah, he's uh, repping the Packers as you should. Someone's got to do it. I mean, we both do it, but you know, someone's got to do it. <laughs> yep. And episode 33, I kind of went back and forth with what player to really immortalized through the having the rights of being having this episode named after them. But I landed with none other than Larry Bird. I felt like that was appropriate and I was tempted to go Aaron Jones, but you got to go with, you got to respect the classics, man. True. Can't go wrong. Somehow underrated. Somehow. But today preseason has kicked off, which means we have to talk NFL. There's, We'll, let's talk about the preseason a little bit, but we do have some other takeaways to get into. Specifically, we got some news in the RB market, finally. And we'll start doing some early takes for what to expect this year. We have the next segment of our, our series of lists here. We do have a new game to dive into, and we'll also get into, into fantasy football a little bit here today. So football all day, all night here, and I'm excited to get going. Hell yeah, tis the season. First, let's get into the preseason. So again, action is here. Hard Knocks is two episodes in. We got to see the, the Jets, albeit with Zach Wilson at the helm and preseason action. But in watching Hard Knocks, we got to see behind the curtain for, for what the Jets are doing this year. Fur and I both watched the, the Packer preseason game and Jordan Love's quote-unquote debut as the number one guy in green Bay, but other players have gotten out there too. Obviously we've got some rookie quarterback news to talk about with them being named starters and some action we got to see right away, but let's jump right into some early takeaways and for, I'll let you get us kicked off with kind of some of your things that you want to touch on for preseason so far. Preseason. Huh? Well, I mean, it's, uh, you know, good to see that the rookies are all getting announced as starters already mostly you know that's just you know I, I you know if, you, if you're trading up for guys you know why why uh wait around and it's just good to see that they're letting these guys loose and uh yep showing that they believe in them and um you know it makes the preseason games that much more exciting um you know and obviously you know packers similar situation with the uh you know not a rookie but first year starter and uh it makes the preseason games really exciting to watch. And, you know, we're, we're only just uh, cracking into them. But, uh, you know, so far, you know, everyone's, you know, they're fighting hard for, uh, you know, roster spots. And, and um, you know, yeah, good good example is uh, Carrington Valentine on the Packers. Yeah. You know, he's a seventh-round pick. It looked like he was just fighting for a roster spot. Now it looks like he's fighting his way potentially into the starting lineup. Um, I mean, I've heard that they're starting to, you know, they've always toyed around with the idea of Rasul Douglas moving to safety. Um, they might do that. I'm, I'm starting to see they might start to enter, enter uh, you know, experiment with that more just to get Valentine's and reps. You know, I'm starting to who knows if it's true, but that's what the word on the street is. They're saying um, 
you know, outside of that, I don't know. I, I haven't seen too, caught too much of the preseason action so far. You know, I'm hoping to catch a few more games before it all wraps up. But, uh, you know, the Jets and the Packers, who I have seen, you know, I mean, a lot of promise from some young teams, you know. Yeah. It's good to see. Yeah, for sure. And obviously it's preseason, so we're not going to see all the tricks of the trade, if you will, from every team. But it is nice to see new, you know, familiar faces in new places or brand new faces getting their first chance in the league. It's nice to see some of that. Packers specifically, I think one of the main things that I saw in there that I was 100% expecting and I talked about on the last episode when I went solo, more motion in the offense, which I personally am a big fan of. And even just in preseason action, we saw quite a bit of that from the Packers. So that was very promising and very, uh, you know, validating for my own opinions there. And that was a nice game to watch. Obviously the Bengals didn't really rep many starters, if any, the ones that you could name. So not like I'm ready to say the Packers are going to take over the world or anything like that, but it was very promising how Jordan Love looked in the command that he had of the offense of the field. The young guns looked good. They looked crisp and they look like they belong in this league but outside of the Packers looking elsewhere you touched on it briefly with the rookie quarterbacks getting named the starter starters why not I mean we all know when you draft a QB in the top five or the first round in general they're your future so jump right in get them the action that they deserve obviously with some of these teams there weren't really true competitions for, for instance, the Texans, who was really competing with C.J. Stroud? Davis Mills, they already know what he is. Let <laughs> Davis Mills or let uh, let C.J. Stroud play. And then for the, the Colts, Anthony Richardson is obviously your guy. Their ownership has been vocal that they want him to start. So, yeah, why not just cut to the chase, name them your starters, and really start building your offense? It's the way of the future when it comes to getting your quarterbacks out there. Like pretty much everyone does that outside of Green Bay. And the times it doesn't happen, to some degree, you have slight concern over that quarterback. Like you think, you think back to last year with Kenny Pickett taking some time before he took over for Mitch Trubisky. Little different there. We'll see how how Kenny shapes up over the the course of his career. But in general, when someone just comes in and wins the job, it's at it's at least a good sign and should have fan bases excited. Absolutely. You know, this point of the year, there's nothing to do but get excited, you know, and uh, pray that everyone stays healthy, you know, hope and pray. And, uh, you know, this time of the year, you just see young guys and, uh, you know, yeah, you know, before we know it, we'll be kicking off the games that count. And uh, right. Really just a few, a few, a few mad talk episodes away. We'll be talking about, you know, our reactions to the actual games and it'll be here before we know it. Can't wait. Yeah, we'll be getting to, you know, the the annual overreaction to week one. Like, that's just a couple weeks down the road, which Huge. <laughs> I'm very happy about. Because preseason, you anticipate it. And once it comes, you're you're happy that it's here. And you get to finally see your teams a little bit. But then after a game, maybe two, you're like, all right, we know the, who the guys are. I know these guys are fighting for roster spots, but let's get to what counts. So yeah, right now it's still exciting. Now it's time to, you know, we got time to focus in on fantasy drafts and the new Madden coming out. 
So this is kind of like that last little ramp up before it's just nonstop football month after month, which is the best time of the year when it comes to sports. Hands down. Yep. That time of year, you know, all the over, all the reactions to week one, all the reactions to Madden ratings, all the reactions to, you know, preseason, everything, you know, reaction season. (laughs) Reaction season. Let's react to some news that we, some real news that we got. And finally, running backs, we got something to talk about besides purely conjecture with two very big name signings. To some people, those are two, you know, top 10, top 15 running backs in the league still being Ezekiel Elliott and Dalvin Cook. Let's start with Zeke. He signed with the Patriots. My initial thoughts there is that this can be nice because Zeke, albeit he feels like he's been around forever because he's on the Cowboys and he's been on a national stage since being a rookie. And before that it was Ohio state. So we consider him a 30 year old running back when in all reality, he's 27 going on 28. Like he is still a young man, even for a running back, he's still got a couple good, good years in his legs at this point. He's got some more miles on those tires left to give. Absolutely. I love the signing. I love it for both sides for the Patriots. This gives them what they always want, which is multiple usable running backs. Sure, Ramondre Stevenson is still the guy, and he's a very nice guy as far as his play style and and what he produces. But Zeke, being able to add him for one, other teams have to think about him. And two, for reinsurance and just having another, another man in the room, another voice of experience, I think is excellent. And for Zeke, he has a chance in a very low risk situation to prove he's still got it and maybe get a contract next year. So I love this one for both sides. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember, uh, you know, seeing that Zeke was hanging out with Mac Jones like a week or two ago. And I was like, Oh man, (laughs) like it's either there or nowhere. I thought at least, you know, to get signed before the season started, you know, like otherwise he would have had to wait it out and, you know, go somewhere where there was an injury and, it's a perfect, perfect situation for Zeke, for sure, to go from the Cowboys to the Patriots. You know, he's just one iconic franchise to the other, and he gets more chances to make plays and add to his, you know, right. You know, like you said, he's 27. He still has, you know, potentially a lot of years to add to his legacy. You know, who knows? Maybe he goes on to have a, a Frank Gore type of bruiser, you know, long year, long career. He could be just getting started with team hopping. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. You know, starting with an iconic franchise, Frank Gore, the Niners, Zeke, the Cowboys, and then kind of bouncing around from there, being the old man in the league. That's possible. I I don't know. We'll see how the running back market evolves over time, because obviously this year it's been bear, a bear market. And with that, the, the other big name that we've been just waiting waiting to find out where they went or where they go finally it finally happened and that's dalvin cook going to the jets last time i was on here i confirmed that that was 100 going to happen we knew it was going to happen it was a matter of time and what the deal would look like and now he's there fur i'll let you start this one off how do you feel about dalvin cook <laughs> that's a you know it's a great move they're loading up and uh you know if you got a Pro Bowl caliber guy that's sitting out there, you know, one of the last Pro, pro Bowl caliber guys sitting out there in the free agency. Uh, you know, if you got the money and 
you know, obviously they do have the money with Rogers as a 35 million pay cut. So, you know, obviously they had to do something with it. So, you know, it's a great move. Yeah. How much, how much was, was it could get paid for? It was like, not eight million. Like, what'd you say? Was it, was it eight or six million? Something or? around eight is what I was, what I was recalling. Now, I don't know if that's all base salary or if there's incentives, but regardless, it's about what the market goes right now for running backs on one-year deals or on franchise tags, whatever it may be. But still, Rodgers taking that pay cut made that a lot more digestible, easier to stomach because you still probably got some room left over if you do want to make another move in September or October, whether it be a signing or a trade at the deadline. So, yeah hats off to Rogers for allowing that to happen and hats out hats off to the jets for actually doing it and not overthinking it. Cause it would have been easy to say why we've got Brees hall. Who's an electric young back. We've got Michael Carter. Who's still not bad. Why go get a, you know, a pro bowl type running back to add to the mix there. And the reason is the reason why is because as teams have shown us in the past, there's no such thing as too many weapons, if you've got a championship mentality within your locker room and you've got the right attitudes to where everyone's team first and not worried about, I need a thousand yards. I need 10 touchdowns. If you can avoid that, then it's strictly blessings to have extra guys. Like let's think back to the Buccaneers when they were adding everybody to Brady's, you know, Brady's seventh championship run, bringing in, you know, Antonio Brown and bringing back Gronk, bringing in Leonard Fournette. Like that's what you do when people know that that's the standard. It's a lot easier to manage in the locker room. So I think it's a great move because again, it allows Brees Hall to come back healthy and not have to rush anything. So that's, that's definitely a nice signing there. I don't, it doesn't change my opinion on the jets really a whole lot. But it makes their it makes it less risk. Like they're not a Brees Hall injury away from struggling on offense. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's uh, some good insurance. You know, definitely a boost too at times, keeping legs fresh and you know better backs on the field at all times. Uh, yeah, and they still got a lot more money to spend if they want to continue to go all in. You know, yeah, eight eight million out of uh you know thirty five that just got freed up. You know, word word on the street that they're trying to trade for Bakhtiari. You know, not even not even Homer talk. Just uh, you know, just kind of a, an obvious thing that people would think would happen. And you know, I don't know. They, they need the old line to, help. Yeah, they do. I've, right. That's why it really makes sense. Is you know that they bet that's what the, I guess that's what they've been. You know, late late takeaways lately with the Jets is you know in practice Rodgers has been hurried a lot and. Yeah, you know, the Jets got a great D-line, and that's obviously part of it, you know. But, yeah, they do need O-line help. So, who knows whether they trade for Bakhtiari. Hopefully not. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they still got a lot of money to make some moves. And, you know, yeah. Cook could be a good help. They could still make a move that could help them even more, which we'll see. Yeah. They definitely could use some help on the O-line because, obviously, last year their O-line was one of the worst in the league. And as evidenced and highlighted by Hard Knocks, albeit it's Hard Knocks, you got to take it with a grain of salt, it's TV. But it's real that that O-line can be, that could be the iceberg that sinks the Titanic here if they aren't careful and if they aren't able to at least manage that and improve it to some degree. Because a bad O-line 
again, it can sink you entirely, your entire season. And Rodgers has been blessed to be in Green Bay where offensive lines, regardless of injury or turnover, yeah, always strong. Pretty decent. Yep. Right. Always at least all right. And in several years, very elite. So yep. Yep. that's a good point. I hope they don't get Bakhtiari, but for their standpoint, they should be trying to bolster that O-line one way or another. Right, because Salo, I think it was Salo, was chewing him out, right? He was yep. uh, getting, get, yeah. Starts with you. Yeah, <laughs> for real. So, a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of ball game left, but uh, yeah. we'll see, we'll see where things go. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how things transpire there. But taking a break from the Jets, who we'll end up talking about all year. So, let's, uh, let's go to some guys who haven't been talked about, because, yes, running backs have been the news. But even with the signings, there's still people still looming, namely Leonard Fournette and Kareem Hunt. And with them still out there, I honestly, I'm having trouble identifying landing spots for them, really. It's going to be almost to where they're going to be taking veteran minimum deals on competitors, maybe. Like maybe maybe a team like the Chiefs brings in a, you know, brings in a Leonard Fournette on a very cheap deal just to add another layer but I don't see these guys getting the Zeke or even a cook deal. I, I think they're going to be, they're going to be player minimum level contracts to whoever, whoever's willing to pay it. Yeah. I mean, hunt at least, I feel like we'll get a little bit of change, but uh, yeah, I mean, definitely no, nothing significant. Not like yeah, cook. I was surprised, you know, that he even got eight mil if, it, you know, if it was eight. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think? Where they, where, uh, you said, uh, you said where Fournette's going to go. Yeah, I could see Fournette landing on landing on the chiefs. Oh yeah. Chiefs, chiefs. That's an, a, definitely an uh, obvious pick. You know, they could always, yeah. they're always looking to add weapons, especially cheap ones. Yeah. Um, man, dude, I don't know though. If I was the bears, I'd be calling up Kareem hunt, especially if it's for cheap. I mean, you know, <laughs> Khalil yeah. Herbert and Dante Foreman. Why not throw Kareem Hunt into that mix? And, you know, why not? He, he might I be was, the most talented one. If I would, right. You know, if I was them, but, uh, you know, maybe, who knows? Maybe they do scoop them. Definitely very, uh, only a matter of time before Fournette and Hunt are scooped for sure. I could see the Vikings grabbing one of them. Oh, if, for real. You know, because they're just, <laughs> It's just Alexander Madison there now. Like, yeah, he's fine, but can he be the <laughs> bell cow? Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're gonna bring they're gonna bring in some help by the end of the year for sure. <laughs> yeah, Kirk called me. He said we need some help over here. <laughs> Ooh, I believe it. <laughs> so yeah, well, we'll see what where things land there and where where the where the chips fall for the last running back still on the market. But people that let's start looking at who should we should be keeping an eye on for not just the preseason or the coming weeks, but 2023 into 2024, the whole season here specifically. Let's look at for sophomore surge rookies last year, entering year number two. Traditionally, that's where you make a leap, whether you're a quarterback or running back receiver that's usually the year where you make your your biggest jump between years one and two is traditionally the biggest leap for a player. So I want to kind of go back and forth there for 
a couple people that we expect to take those biggest jumps that are entering their sophomore season here this year. I have someone listed for quarterback, running back, and then I have a couple of receivers. Fur, where would you want to start? Oh, you can't go wrong starting with the receivers because there's a whole lot of them. There is. I got three of those. So I'm going to take the easy one. I'm going to say Garrett Wilson with the Jets. I mean, this one's obvious, right? He was Offensive Rookie of the Year last year, correct? Like, he already did it with the worst quarterback play in the entire National Football League, and now he's got Aaron Rodgers, a four-time MVP, a top-five quarterback of all time, no doubt. And obviously the chemistry there is already strong, and Rodgers doesn't throw all compliments lightly. He has been throwing them at Garrett Wilson, though, like they're candy. So he, to me, is my number one candidate for sophomore surge, regardless of position. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, potential all pro this year. You never know. Certainly a candidate to have one of those type of years. So, yeah, I mean, crazy. He's only in his sophomore season. I'm going to have to go with the next obvious one at wide receiver, Christian Watson. I mean, you know, not even a homer. Let's be serious. Took him half the year. (laughs) Took him half the year to get going last year. And and just like the second half of the season, he – put up numbers, just making snags over people. And, uh, you know, now he's going to have the, uh, that level of that level of, you know, intensity, that level of uh, experience and then some for a full season. And uh, so obviously he's, he's, uh, you know, in place to step up and I don't care who's throwing him the ball. He's a talented wide receiver. You know, he's, yep. he's, he's going to prove that this year that, you know, he's going to make a few catches that are, you know, he's him. Yep. Garrett Wilson and Christian Watson, very, very, you know, potential pro bowlers, all that, yeah. all that good stuff. <laughs> you for see, what, you wait and see. <laughs> for what's your favorite bet this year for the the season? Oh man. I, I don't know if, I mean, yeah, I heard that, that they put the, the touchdown line for Christian Watson at four and a half. I, I, I saw three and a half, then I saw four and a half. So I don't know either way. Come on. <laughs> if he's healthy, he's getting at least seven. I don't know. And that, I mean, that's at least, that's like what, cause what did Jefferson get last year? He got like eight. Yeah. So like, you know, oh, at least. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. I might have to hop on that one myself. Right. And the Christian Watson pick goes without saying, I figured you'd go that route. So I didn't even waste my slot there. Cause I knew you would. Someone had to. (laughs) Obviously. And someone also had to do Christian Watson's counterpart, and that's Romeo Dobbs. Oh, true. And I said this last year going into the year that Watson's got the better pure talent. Like he's a better athlete, more track speed, can more naturally like even moss guys as far as just his catching ability there. But Romeo Dobbs, he's crisp. His routes are nice. He's a good hands catcher, as Rodgers would say a lot of times last year. He looked good in the preseason game against the against the Bengals, caught that touchdown, which was a nice one as well. So for me, he's someone who I expect to to make a surge as well. So Packer wideouts, I expect them both to have a nice season. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, who knows? Maybe Watson doesn't get that, that touchdown total because uh, Dobbs is, is hogging them all in the red zone. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe a lot of 
hungry young mouths to feed some hungry hungry young hippos absolutely i gotta get one more receiver in there right a yep. uh oh oh there's still a lot of good options but i you know probably i probably gotta pick drake london oh. you know i wanted to say Traylon burks because especially with hopkins opening things up so you know i'll say them both i guess but <laughs> drake london i think uh i don't know you know i think it, the falcons are just due to at least click a little bit on offense you know uh you know and get they always have good receivers it seems like so and uh you know london obviously a talented guy high pick you know and i think uh second year you know some guys just need a year to get get their feet wet and he yeah. seems like a type of guy you know if they can get things rolling in the right direction in atlanta he could really you know have a special season a classic falcons receiver season that's fair drake london had some nice flashes last year and then who else did you sprinkle in there? Uh, Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Last year I drafted him in fantasy because I dumbly thought he was going to replace A.J. Brown's production. But maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe with Hopkins being there and he's not the number one, maybe that's all he needed to be able to emerge and be himself. So I kind of like that one too. And I'm glad you had a third because I have a third. And this is one that I was excited to say too. And Drake would be very happy about this one. Oh, That's George Pickens. I mean, definitely. Need I say more? Just go watch the tape, man, from last year and from this training camp. I yeah. like Pickens. And I figured you were going to say Pickens. That's why I didn't say him. <laughs> there you go. Hey. And you talked about how the Falcons have a track record of good receivers. Does oh, anyone sure. have a better track record than the Steelers? Deontay Johnson. Uh, Chase Claypool, you could even say they've got A-Rob now. Obviously, they didn't make him. Antonio Brown, Santonio Holmes, Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Sanders, Heinz Ward, uh, Randall L., right? Yeah, and then I think they had Plaxico Burris at one point. So, like, you know, hey. wide receiver you, even though it's, you know, NFL, so a little different. But True. George Pickens is going to be a absolute dog this upcoming season. Hell yeah, I believe that. They got, uh, you know, a lot of weapons across the board to open things up. And, you know, they don't – once Pickens really starts making plays, you know, and, you know, go back and forth between him and Deontay Johnson and then A-Rob. And, you know, so, yeah, they got a lot of tools to, you know, open things up for all of them. And Pickens, obviously, the young gun. If you could take that next step, you know, definitely this is the year to do it. Agreed. How about the running back position? This one was hard for me, but for where did you land there? Um, I think uh, Rashad, Rashad, Rashad White, Buccaneers. Yeah. I mean, he was he was getting scrappy last season, you know, yeah. and you know, getting a surprising amount of reps, uh, tons of reps as a rookie, you know, and um, yeah, year two. You know, especially with the new QB and Baker, you know, they might be checking it down to him a little more. They might, uh, you know, try to lean into him a bit more because last year they, did, you know, they knew it was Brady's last hurrah kind of. They were just, just, you know, pass, 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 you know, right. I'm pretty sure there was some stat that the Buccaneers had like the least amount of rushing attempts or yards or something. Yep. They were you know, 32nd in the league. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think they're going to obviously try to change up their culture and a little bit of their identity, obviously. So, you know, I think Richard White is in position to have a nice season, you know. That's a good one. I 
he was originally penciled in for me. He ended up being my runner up, which I'm glad since you went that route, he was able to still get some love. And before I give mine, the obvious answers would be Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker. Right. And the reasons I didn't go with them is one, they already showed that they have elite talent. Like they made their surge already. And two, they're coming back from injury. So maybe in the totality of the season, their stats will be a little bit lesser than their talent suggests. Now, this guy went down with an injury too, but I expect him to hit the ground running right away. And he's the solo guy there. Damian Pierce with the Texans. I I think he'll be nice. He had a good stretch last year in the thick of the season. And I think this upcoming season with the rookie quarterback, they will lean on him. So Damian Pierce, I expect to have a very nice sophomore season. Absolutely. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, pencil that in for fantasy, you know, what, uh, I think we had him go in the fourth round of our mock the other day. <laughs> yeah. You he's know? probably going to go third. I would maybe even think it depends. Obviously everyone's got their own preference, but yeah, Damian Pierce is going to be a nice piece in fantasy for your exactly right there. Now, the hardest one might have been for this, the quarterbacks, because last year's rookie class was Cheeks. <laughs> it was Cheeks. If Bailey Zappi is worth mentioning in a QB class, it ain't good. Oof. Yeah, for real. I mean, where do you start? You start. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I went with Kenny Pickett. I'm not a Kenny guy. I'm not. I especially have held it against him with the fake slide thing when he was at Pitt. That bugged me so much. (laughs) However, second half of last year, he was significantly improved, and he got the turnovers under control. I couldn't no longer sing my little jingle for him of, can he pick it? Yes, he can. I can't sing that anymore. If he gets those downs, he's got nice weapons in place. We talked about Pickens. We mentioned Deontay Johnson and A-Rob. Don't forget Pat Fryermuth or Najee Harris. So, or Najee Harris. So like, I, I like the Steelers offense and the pieces that they have in, in year two, I think Kenny can take a leap. You know, last year he wasn't very good this year. I'm not saying he's going to be a top 15 quarterback, but he can at least, you know, be serviceable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, uh, Tomlin is is determined as per usual to get his guys to finish with a winning season, and yeah, uh, nuts. You know, that would require Pickett to kind of elevate his game a bit in year two, as you would expect at any young franchise QB to potential franchise QB. Um, so yeah, no, I agree. I think Pickett's stepping up. Steelers definitely competing no matter what. Um, and now let me think. QBs. I mean, Purdy, I have no idea what his health, where his health is at. And I'm not going to get behind him anyways, even though I do think he's pumpkin Purdy. Yeah. You know, (laughs) even though he has potential to come back and just, you know, win out again, like until the playoffs, you know, even playoffs. (laughs) But, um, so not Purdy, but, uh, you know, I, I think I'm going with, uh, so I almost wanted. I almost might as well flip a coin. Like I'm not going to, but between Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell, <laughs> you should. That's that's fair point. <laughs> like one of them is going to step up, the other one is going to stink, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know. Science, you know, scientifically, <laughs> just the odds. Like, um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the. Sam, I'm, I'm gonna pick Sam Howell <laughs> as a as a step up 
relative to a rookie season, you know, I think he's going to compete. And if the uh, commander's defense can uh, keep him in games, you know, maybe he can have the chance to make a few special plays and at least, you know, be considered to have a, a step up sophomore year. Hmm. I mean, anything's a step up for him, isn't it? He played one game for the county. Right. Exactly. <laughs> If he, okay, if if he if he plays the full year and doesn't get benched, um, you put know, in Brissett. He, he probably checks it. <laughs> hey, we'll see. You know, depends. You know, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they stink for sure, he's getting booted, and then Ritter's probably the guy. Because even if Ritter stinks, their division is probably going to stink. Maybe relatively. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so Ritter might have the chance to stay in longer. That's a tough one to pick between those two. <laughs> I know. Have a better year. We haven't seen anything of those guys, so yeah, <laughs> flipping a coin is exactly right. But right, yeah, I, I could get behind the Howell pick because you know Terry McLaurin is there of the two of those two franchises. He's the best weapon. He's better than than a uh, uh, Kyle Pitts or Easy. Drake London for sure combined. <laughs> right, and they still got Jahan Dotson, who could have been a candidate for taking a leap for receiver. True. And they've got Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson in the backfield. So they've, they've, let's not say they've got some dogs, but they've got some usable pieces out there. Right. And if their defense can keep them in games all year, then, you know, maybe Howell gets a few game winning touchdown passes. Yeah. It still stinks, but, you know, maybe he gets some good moments. <laughs> Honestly, I expect them both to get benched this year. Yeah. I think we'll see Jacoby Brissett and Taylor Heineke this season. Sounds about right. <laughs> sounds very much in the realm of possibilities <laughs> yeah now let's let's move on into like teams and actually diving in there so prepping for the year here wouldn't it be fun to know to know about your team know what is the worst that they can do what is the best that they can do where is your floor where is your ceiling what's in the middle how are you going to get to where you want to go how is it going to play down so we're going to do that Division by division. Today, we will start with the NFC North, which obviously we are very familiar with, Fur and I. But we'll go through each team and be as objective as we can there. And we mentioned, or I when, I, when we were talking about this before, and we, I used the Lions as an example. So I do want to start with the Lions. Fur, would you like to be leading off, or would you like to be the uh i guess the the secondary take um yeah you could kick us kick us off with the lions okay Let's see what you got dan All campbell's right. lions dan campbell <laughs> his name will come up again later today <laughs> True. so the lions i hate to break it to you your floor is is not like it's not your own 16 floor that you had you know 12 15 years ago but it ain't great. Your floor is six and eleven. And why is that your floor? Because there's things that can go wrong. One, your defense doesn't improve and it's still one of the worst in the league. Two, Jared Groff regresses a little bit back to the mean of his career as far as being an average quarterback, which I believe he is. Three, the loss of Jamal Williams hurts that locker room. Four, the energy of Dan Campbell starts to wear off. Like 
all those things happen or, you know, Jameer Gibbs suffers an injury or Jamison Williams doesn't come back how you'd like him to like things go bad. Things can go bad for that franchise, which is historically snake bitten. So that is your floor. Now your ceiling is the flip of that. It's the inverse 11 and six to where you strong, you are a strong playoff team. You book a seat, uh, you, you book a seat at the table you punch a ticket, you even win the divisional crown of the NFC North for the very first time. Let's not forget, the Lions have never won the NFC North. Last time they won the division, it was the NFC Central. So, oh, damn. <laughs> that is your ceiling, is winning the division, making the playoffs, stealing a playoff win, and then losing to the class of the NFC with either the Eagles, the Cowboys, or the Niners. That is your ceiling. I personally think you'll be somewhere in the middle of that, closer to the top than to the bottom, but that's how I see the Lions. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree, you know. Um, would you say their floor was 6-11? and 11? Yep. I'm going to expand the range a little bit. I'm going to say the floor is 5-12, and 12, but the ceiling is 12-5. and five. I'm going to give the Lions that level of, you know, very few, right? <laughs> Few few injuries, you know, maybe you know, Pensuel, maybe yeah. Goff, you know, yeah, uh, you know, maybe uh, a couple of those DBs on the back end. Well, Gardner Johnson already suffered an injury, that, correct? That, right, right, exactly. Yeah. That's what uh, you know. So it's already sort of at least you know you, you hate to see it because you know Gardner Johnson's a, a baller, um, but you know obviously a few things go wrong, and I think they could be five and twelve. But 12 and 5, you know, I don't know. I, th I tend to think a lot of times when teams finish really strong at the just the end of a year, you know, I think a lot of times it continues. Like, yeah. you know, as long as they keep the core together and, you know, and yeah, I, I agree losing Jamal Williams does hurt their locker room a bit, but their running back room is still loaded. And um, just, uh, you know, 12 and 5, I could see them like, if they beat the Chiefs, if they up, up, you know, take the hungover Chiefs for a ride in Week One, then uh, twelve and five. Why not? Maybe, maybe. But you never know. Probably those are just that's just the range. And yeah, like you said, probably in the middle, ten and yep. seven, nine and eight, eh. <laughs> something <laughs> like that. <laughs> we'll get to official prediction time once the once we know what the fifty-three man rosters look like. So obviously a lot more variance right now than what we're actually going to hone in on when the time comes. True. But let's let's leave the Lions in the in the dust and continue on here with last year's NFC North champions, the Minnesota Vikings. For I'll let you take the lead here. Vikings, well, you know, they uh they're managing they're managing the load at this point. They didn't add, you know, much this offseason few good draft picks who knows maybe they could turn out and be really good um but uh you know they really got weaker i think at every position on their defense um you know forget about dalvin cook for a while like i think the defense you know unless they prove me wrong you never know but you know on paper the defense is trending downward um last year they were already you know on paper a fraudulent 13 and four, right 13 and four team yep. I mean, we all saw the point differential, you know, like that's just objective. <laughs> so, you know, just not really doing much to improve, you know, I, I think. And so I'm going to put their floor. 
uh, their floor, I think, is six and eleven. You know, I uh, I think they. I mean, they obviously still have, you know, a lot of talented players on both sides of the ball, and you know, I just don't think they're putting it together like they should. So, floor would be six and eleven. Ceiling. Eh. <laughs> Twelve and five, I guess. <laughs> just because the NFC is kind of. You know, they could have another fraudulent, you know, zero point differential, you know, 12 plus win season. You know, it's just that type of year in the NFC, you know. And uh, so that's that's my answer. Ceiling, 12 and five, floor, 11 and six. Similar to the Lions. Yeah. And floor, you meant six and 11, but I think we got it. (laughs) Yeah. Whoops. So you said similar to Lions. I'm going to do the exact same pick as I did for the Lions. That being six and 11 to 11 and six. And everything you said as far as why it can go wrong is exactly right. And what I'll add to that is look at the Vikings track record over the past 10 years. It's, you know, nice, good season, usually a little fraudulent, come back down to earth. Nice, good season, back down, back down, up and down, up and down. They ride the wave. And with that defense having lost so many pieces, I 100% agree with that point. And also... Dalvin Cook is, I was a big proponent of letting him go, but there is a risk to that because again, if Alexander Madison is just fine or if he gets hurt and the other good running backs have been scooped up by then, you're going to be in a tough spot asking Kirk to throw 40 times a game. And don't forget, Adam Thielen's gone too. You did replace him with a first round rookie, so there's something there, but you never know how quickly a rookie receiver is going to ascend how quickly they're going to adjust to the league so there are reasons things can go wrong for the vikings i do still think they'll be a pretty pretty solid team but ain't no way they're winning 13 games again there's no way they're going 11 and 0 in one score games again they're just not they they aren't it, it's yeah the law of I, nature. I agree i'm lowering my ceiling to 11 instead of 12 <laughs> there we go i'm gonna be a <laughs> uh, a master debater right um, so yeah, I, I think we're on the same exact page with the Vikings. You know what your ceiling is when you have a Kirk Cousins and not an elite team. And I don't think they're an elite team. They might have the best receiver in football, but then after that, it's, it's a bunch of guys. Zadarius Smith, he gone. Patrick Peterson, he gone. Who else they lose? Then they lose a linebacker or two as well. Now. I will say their saving grace could be the addition of Brian Flores as defensive coordinator. He's the only reason that I still have them having a respectable ceiling because of the off chance that he does fix the defense, even with less pieces at his disposal. So still a very formidable team in the North, but a team that I sincerely predict to take a step back, at least to some degree. Yep. Couldn't agree more. So, who next in the NFC North? <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll go with the number one overall pick who traded back. But don't forget, they were the number one <laughs> overall pick, the Chicago Bears. And I'll I'll kick off this one. There's a lot of variance here. Uh, I'd say floor for the Bears is 5-12, and 12, and ceiling is 9-8. and eight. So, Actually, not a ton of variance, only four <laughs> games. True. But 
it's I could see it going a lot of ways because the schedule is soft and they are significantly improved with the additions of, you know, TJ Edwards and DJ Moore, Bob Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis, just stealing Edmonds. from the Packers. Like they did get better. Edmonds. Yeah, exactly. They got better. They brought in Yannick Ngakwe a couple weeks ago as well. So, and don't forget Chase Claypool will be more, more acclimated this year. And they did have some pieces, but we do have to also know that like they were the number one pick, the worst team in football last year. That's facts. That's what it was. I don't care how many yards Justin Fields ran for. They won three games. Now <laughs> the bad for them would be, Hey, we fixed the roster. We've got weapons. The defense is improving. We've got a good infrastructure, but then you find out Justin Fields is what he is. He's a running quarterback who is limited as a passer. If that's the case, you can be a pretty annoying and pesky six and 11, five and 12, seven and 10 team. But if he takes a step, if he develops as a passer with those weapons, you can be pushing playoffs. I think the defense needs another year of adding to it to make them a, you know, a double digit win type of team. But the Bears can be a, a frisky fringe playoff team this year. I, I do believe that. I expect their record to be more in that eight, seven, eight, nine win category. But there is ways things could go wrong to where they're worse. So overall, Bears should feel like they're taking a step forward. But when you're taking a step forward from the back of the line, you still ain't at the front of the line. Yep. I agree on the uh, definitely, you know, all the Bears. Uh, yeah. Five and 12 is the floor. I think, you know, they obviously got better, you know, they're obviously going to win more games than, than last year. Cause geez. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to put their ceiling at 10 and seven, uh, one game higher. I think, you know, I mean, obviously, yeah, right. If field steps up, you know, and the defense obviously is always scrappy, you know, and if they step up, you know, and the O line is their everyone's biggest concern. If they can really, you know, protect fields and let him, you know, let him do his thing and throw the get throwing, you know. Uh, yeah, definitely borderline, you know, 10 and 7. I guess that's a definite playoff team if, if they were to secure that. In the yeah. NFC, at least, I think that's definite. Um, yeah, so, you know, that's another thing. You know, just the NFC, you know, a little less, uh, less powerhouses this year to play. Um, so I think the Bears could, could they, I could see them winning 10 games if things go right. If that's the way the cookie crumbles, they got a new primary logo. Oh, <laughs> new era. Yeah. Simply because of the fact that the toilet seat is no longer their primary. Like they, they're uh they won't be the number one pick <laughs> for real. Yep. Week one, pretty, pretty uh, excited and nervous. Cause that's big game Dragon Packers right. versus bears week one. Yep. Had a lot of a bears fans approach me already with bets. They're feeling it. They are feeling it as they should. They got reasons to be excited. Now let's wrap up the North with the, the usual Kings of the North, not last year, but the green Bay Packers who are a new look green Bay Packers for, I will pivot to you to kick us away. Ooh. well, I'm going to, uh, usually we start with the floor. I'm going to start with the ceiling for the Packers. Uh, I don't know. 12 and five, <laughs> you know, uh, like I've said for every team so far, and like I will say for every team in the in the NFC, you know, 
lot less competitive of a schedule. If once you look at everyone's 17 game schedules, you know, a lot of these NFC teams, especially because the NFC North plays against the uh, entire NFC South this year. So every NFC North team, I, you know, consider to have an easy schedule. Um, and the Packers, you know, Rogers had a broken thumb last year and we went eight and nine and, you know, team, uh, young team, you know, we're just getting, still getting better. And, uh, you know, if love is at least decent, if love is better than Rogers with a broken thumb, then we could easily win 10 games, maybe even 11. And obviously I'm, I'm going 12 if uh, the Packers defense is lights out like we hope for every year. So, you know, 12 that's and five, that's my ceiling and floor. Well, mm, five and 12, I guess. Five and 12. Uh, yeah. Wow. So I got us and the Lions with the same range, big wide range, five and 12 to 12 and five. So, yeah. NFC North is going to be interesting this year. We I shall agree. see. And that's, that's a significant variance for the, for the Packers, obviously with the, the change of the guard. So I understand your point there. I had to go off screen for a second as I was getting attacked by peaches, the cat over here. So <laughs> had to, had to get myself some armor whilst, uh, whilst fending off the, the attack from the cat. Uh, <laughs> but I agree with pretty much everything you said about the Packers and the North in general, the soft schedule makes, makes the landing a lot softer and a lot more manageable. If things even do go bad, like no one's, no one's floor in the North is picking number one overall. Like, I don't like, I don't think any team is going to be in the cellar of the, of the NFL for the Packers. I personally, I personally had them with a much tighter range. And for me, it's anywhere from seven and 10 to 11 and six. So a very tight range there. And the reason being is kind of like what you mentioned, like last year, Packers eight and nine with a lot of things going wrong and a lot of injuries. So even if Love is not the guy, if he's the 27th best quarterback in the league, I think this is a good enough roster to win seven games, especially with the soft schedule. And then on the flip side, if Jordan Love is the guy and he's the 15th best quarterback in the league, then that gives you several more wins. Now, the reason that I have their, their ceiling a little bit lower than you do is because – no matter what, there's going to be some degree of a learning curve for the Packers because new quarterback, Jordan Love, yes, he's been there three years, but there's certain things that him and LaFleur and the team in general are going to find that you lose when you lose a Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame quarterback. Like that is, that's factual. There's going to be games the Packers lose this year that they should have won or leads that they blow, whatever it might be. Also, so many of these players on offense are so significantly young. So there can be a learning curve there too. And I am a little nervous about the kicking game for the Packers. Yeah, true. Definitely. I, that'll, that'll be something to keep fully, an eye on. I have fully prepared myself for the fact that there's going to be at least one game this year where we lose because we miss a field goal. Yeah. And there was a few of those throughout Crosby's career, but you know, yeah. you don't want to see that you know, from a young rookie. I mean, I, I don't know, especially if he's missing extra points already. Woo. Yep. It'll be something to keep an eye on. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, that's that's where I'm on the Packers. I think I'm really threading the needle with that. I'm like, this is your possibilities. It doesn't leave me a lot of room for error there, but that's that's how I feel with the pack is that either way, they're going to be a solid football team. Now, either they're a solid football team with too many holes to get them to where they want to be, or they're a solid football team that's a year away. So overall, I'd still be walking away from the season positive, regardless of where they are within that range. But obviously, we've grown accustomed to the playoffs. and We've grown accustomed to playing in January. So that's still the hope and still a very real possibility, especially in the weak NFC. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that about wraps up the the overall analysis and ceiling to floor, the ceiling to floor analysis of the NFC North. So now we are going to pivot here a little bit to a game and we have a top 10 list this week with the safeties. Oh yeah. Last line of defense. Last line of defense. Ooh. There's no Ed there's no Ed Reeds or Troy Palomalu's out there, but uh or Dawkins. No, not quite. But which is why yeah, there's some strong guys out there. Cause like I wanted to call the safeties like the the ball hawks or something like that, but there just aren't that many in the league right now. So safeties, you said last line of defense, and I think I'm gonna have to rock with that one as far as what we call the safeties. The last line of defense, some of these guys can become the offense with how they how they are able to play, but let's break into it. Starting at the bottom, Fur, who rocks number 10? Oof. Well, I got, I'm going to give a quick shout to my honorable mentions of Javon Holland and uh, Hafenga. No offense. <laughs> T. Hafenga. Hafunga. Hafunga. I think. He's a dog. Um, a lot of. You know, as I was as I was looking up and you know reviewing all the safeties in the league, you know he definitely. I don't know. He, he probably should be top ten after the year he had last year, but uh, I, I couldn't leave some of these other names off. And and Hafunga's on a stack defense. Obviously, he's one of the better players on a stack defense. But um, you know, so honorable mentions: Hafunga and Holland. My ten, though. Oh, you got anything to say about them? <laughs> uh, I was going to say Hafunga would have been my my honorable mention as well. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Ten. That's where I got Chauncey Gardner Johnson. He's a he's a dog. He's a hard hitter. He's mean. He plays aggressive. You like you like this, you know, in the spirit of Brian Dawkins, he's trying his best. Um, <laughs> sometimes he get he gets caught out of position and a little little too aggressive, you know, sometimes a little too freelance, too much of a missile. But he is a missile and he can, you know, it's obviously shown it. It's a shame that he got hurt. Because uh, he definitely would have made some noise for the Lions, um, you know. Just as a fan of the sport, <laughs> you you hate to see that. Um, yeah. Gardner Johnson, I don't know how long he's out for, but uh, whenever he comes back, he's gonna continue to be a missile. So he's my ten. I like that one. He did not make my list, but I do like that one. Uh, number ten for me is where I got Jesse Bates. He had a couple of couple of nice seasons with his run with the. Uh, with the Bengals over the past few years. And now we'll, we'll see what he does in his new chapter here, but I still like Jesse Bates and consider him a top 10 safety. Absolutely. Jesse Bates is a dog. 
just edging them out. Number nine is where I locked in Jordan Poyer. So very similar players, I feel like, at least uh, in my experience watching them. And I like Jordan Poyer as well. Uh, not a for me at least, not like a push and top five type of guy, but a very steady hand back there. Yeah, completely agree. I got Poyer coming up real soon. Um, yep, he's a uh, you know he's he's been at it for years. The consistency is, you know, if you don't got safeties that are aren't you know lighting up and breaking games, you know you want them to be consistent, and he's been he's been that for sure. Yep. So that's your nine. Yep. My nine. I got Tyron Matthew. Oh, I feel like I should have him higher, but, uh, you know, he's aging and, uh, you know, he's still, still putting in work with the saints. You know, they are, uh, obviously always on, on, an underrated defense and, um, he's a part of that. He was a huge part of the chief's success before. And I think that's still, you know, worth considering even when ranking him now, like he's, yeah. he has that in him. He, he can, uh, you know, and so Tyron Matthew, the honey badger had to, had to crack him in there. He's at nine for me. I like it, and I'll jump out of order here real quick to to go again and say my number eight because it's also a Tyron Matthew. The Honey Badger, still a very good safety. I think you're right, maybe losing a little bit of a step, but he did have a good year. He graded out well last season in terms of uh, pass coverage and whatnot, so still a very good player. Yep, yep, and I had Poyer at eight, so we had Poyer and Matthew flip-flop there. There we Definitely go. Good spot for them. So that puts us at seven. That's where I put Micah Hyde. Hey, me yeah. too. <laughs> really nice. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, as I was, you know, looking through other people's lists and, you know, PFFs breakdowns and all of that of all the safeties and, you know, Hyde is always higher, you know, high, on the high end, even though he was injured last year. But yeah, um, I don't know. I just, he's obviously, a, you know, top 10 safety. Um, you know, if anything, I'm talking about fighting the urge to put him in the top five. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I guess just, uh, you know, I guess just the, you know, agent and injury combo a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when the Bills got Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, both, you know, top 10 safeties, and they both complement each other and add to each other's games. And, you know, Micah Hyde, definitely the leader of those two, I would say. So that's why... I got Hyde at seven, Poyer at eight, and boys. Yeah, I agree with that. So, yeah, same there. Seven is where I had Micah Hyde. Number six is where I had one of your honorable mentions, Javon Holland. Hey! I I like his game, and I expect him to take another step this year. So I think he'll be a big part on that uh, that Dolphins defense, especially with them bringing in Vic Fangio as the defensive coordinator. I think he's going to – set them up in a good spot. And I think Holland is going to capitalize and might be pushing top five when all is said and done, but at least for now, six is where he lands for me. No, I agree. Holland has definitely got that upside. If anything. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, you know, I got, I guess I got a little bit of legacy in my list, but you know, also a bit of projection and yeah, Holland, you know, could easily jump way up on that list for sure. I could see that. You said that was six for you. Holland. That's right. Six is where I got Jesse Bates. I think Jesse Bates is a dot. You know, he's he's underrated. Huge part of the Bengals Super Bowl run. I mean, he was the guy that picked off Mahomes in overtime, right? I'm pretty sure. Yep. I think he picked him off twice in that game. Maybe I'm imagining things. Uh, either way, he was all over the field at the end of that game. And, uh, you know, playing in clutch moments. Um, 
it's a shame the Bengals couldn't afford to bring him back because uh, he, he was a big part of that run. You know, they yeah. had a lot of underrated defenders, and if you have a good safety over the middle, that's that can be the glue sometimes. And you know, we'll see. Maybe the maybe they suffer a bit without him. You know, I mean, their defense. We'll see. But yeah. uh, either way, Bates is is I think you know top of the line. Got him at six. Yeah, that's an underrated storyline of the Bengals losing their safeties. I agree with you. They might hurt a little bit. Yeah, time will tell. But, uh, yeah, Jesse Bates in Atlanta. Woo. We'll see if he does anything. <laughs> in Atlanta where the players play? Yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> hey. All right, well, Fur, let's break into this top five. Kick us off. Top five. That's where I got Antoine Winfield Jr., you know. I mean, I feel like he could be higher even for sure, but, uh, you know, I feel like it's a good safe spot to put him. He, you know, another massive contributor to a deep playoff run, one that ended in a ring. Yeah. Uh, I mean, massive contributor. Can't he be put understood. up the deuces to Tyreek. Yep. Remember he, that? Yeah. Well, I forgot, but now I remember. Yeah, that was... Matt, definitely. You know, I mean, they, they, aside from getting Brady, they hit grand slams on their draft picks and Antoine Winfield on pace, you know, to maybe be the best safety in the league within a year or two, even like, you know, all it takes is a few big plays and big moments and he's right there. Yeah, that's fair. I like the pick five is where I landed. Kevin Bayard, one of the more like, uh, again, steady hand type players goes very under the radar. I feel like a lot of the times, but I have a lot of respect for his game. I think he's a very good player. Absolutely. It's a good pick. I got him coming up too. Hey, there we go. So number four, I'm going to carry on or piggyback on your number five, Antoine Winfield. And I swear for Madden only plays 5% into my rankings here. Cause uh, Winfield and Holland were my <laughs> safety duo in our, in our connected online franchise in Madden and Madden 23 last year. But on the field, everything you said, I love the way he plays. He he can be a ball hawk, and he can throw. He can put his shoulder down, too. Like, he's a very versatile player out there. Obviously, he's got the uh, the legacy going from his, you know, his father who played in the league as well. But Antoine's a very nice player, and I agree with you. He's got a long career ahead of him in the league, and he can continue to climb this list. But four is where I got him for now. Absolutely. If the Buccaneers can keep a lot of their core defensive guys together, you know, they could be real competitive, you know, in a, yep. a year or two. It's a good spot for Winfield. So that was four. You got him there. Four is where I got Justin Simmons. Hey, hey, that's my safety in Madden. Let's go. <laughs> no, he's a, you know, I mean, over the years, um, he's just been so steady for the Broncos and, um, I mean, I think he, he was battling injuries throughout all of last year, but he still collected, uh, I don't know, I, I didn't see this, but I know he collected a handful of picks last year, at least yeah. four, at least, as he was battling injuries. And the Broncos' defense, you know, he's you'd have to consider him their leader, right? I yeah. mean, yeah, when you think of, of all their starters on defense, he's their leader, and their defense continues to be impressive, at least um, – you know, I mean, last year their offense was so bad. Their defense kept them in it, surprisingly, you know, on a lot of those close games. And, uh, you know, Simmons just being the leader of that type of defense, and he's still, you know, kind of in his prime, still, uh, you know, reaching, you know, kind of the golden years of safety, you know. 
he's, he's got his awareness up and he's uh, just got a knack for the ball. Got to have him there for Justin Simmons. He's my number three. Yeah. So I, won't, I have nothing else to add on that one. Beautiful. He's a dog. He, I should, uh, I'll leave it. I'll leave it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Definitely. You know, guys that are just consistent, you know, they're not doing t- nothing too crazy, but they're always there. That's my number three, Kevin Bayard. There we go. You know, he's never making those splash. You know, you never see the, you know, he's not, he doesn't have the Troy Palomalu or the Dawkins in him. You know, he's just always in the right place, you know, collecting the picks, collecting the tackles. He's been there for years. Um, I don't know how long, at least like six years now. I think he's been, you know, he's been putting in work and he's, you know, earned his, his, you know, his worth. He, uh, I, I think he, was planning on holding out, but he didn't. I don't know what happened there, but <laughs> he is too good. So the Titans got lucky yep. that he's that he's back. You know, because he's true. potential. You know, you know, potential All Pro every year. He's you know at least in that that race for All Pro safeties. Now I wonder if we're gonna have the same top two here. I would think so because these are like the two biggest name safeties yeah. out there. Yeah. Number two is where I got Derwin James a very electric player struggles to stay on the field sometimes, but when he is out there, he can, he can bring it. He can lay the wood and he can, uh, he can go get that ball too. So like, I remember last year he had a play where he like stood up Travis Kelsey and like threw him down, which you never see anyone get a clean hit on Kelsey. Like it's a part of what makes him so great. But Derwin did it, and he's a very nice player. I can't put him at one, but I think number two is where he ought to be. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. I have Derwin James at two as well, definitely. You know, I mean, uh, right, like the staying on the field, a bit of an issue. Um, was he was he healthy during their playoff game last year? I don't remember. Either way, <laughs> that's an issue for everyone in the Chargers building. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, you know. <laughs> all but, right um, we, we have to have the same number one though yeah minka for sure minka right? uh, yeah he's got to be i mean you know like i, I was looking through lists and that, i don't know how anyone could have derwin james at number one over minka i mean i just don't know i did <laughs> see it on a few and how minka right. is the only like game changer at safety in the league today like i think the gap between him and everyone else is as big as at any other position in the league. Like the gap between Minka and Derwin is like the gap between Mahomes and Burrow. I think like significant, like, yeah, I mean, you know, like, yeah, like obviously (laughs) it's not like, a, a, you know, it's not the grand Canyon, but they're obviously, they're also not. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can agree with that. Minka's is the guy. And uh, I mean, what, how old is he? I'm about to Google it right now. Maybe 27. (laughs) He's not that old. Um, yeah, 26. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He is like the safety in the league right now. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, the Steelers, you know, they're always going for at least eight or nine wins. Well now nine at least. And, uh, yep. He's a huge part of that. They're going to need him and he's going to step up, you know? Yep. He's lurking for Depoy one of these years too. Oh, easily. Yeah, I mean, Watt got, TJ got one, you know. Them so Steelers. That wraps up our list. Were we, 
sleeping. Uh, two names come to mind for me. Did we sleep on Harrison Smith? Uh, no, I definitely considered him. It's just, yeah, I mean, he probably should be in the top 10 still, but. Who do you I take mean, out, though? I know. I, I, I wanted to give Gardner Johnson in there. I think, you know, I still think he's, even though he's a kind of a risky missile, I think that's just, that's who I would have to take out. But I, I we're talking 2023. Well, hey, he's hurt, but, <laughs> you know, Harrison Smith is an old man and he's, he's Hall of Famer, though, you know, like uh, he's going to the Hall of Fame. Like, yeah, he's just getting up there. So eh, yeah. I don't think we disrespected him. But what about what about Buda Baker? Maybe a little bit of disrespect, but he's on know, the Cardinals. Yeah, that's count. yeah. Dumpster fire, you know, it's not <laughs> his fault. <laughs> uh, yeah, who else? Um, I thought Amos. Was- yeah, no, I wanted to throw him into the honorable mentions, even though like he's, he's just probably there, somewhere man. around like eighteen or. If he didn't take a step back last year, he was there. He was yeah. like a ten to twelfth best safety in the league, but last Definitely. year he had a down year. Yeah, for sure. I love um, Amos. Oh yeah, he'll he'll probably do great. You know, with the Jets. Of course he will. Green Bay East. Green Bay <laughs> East. Shout out Lafleur. Hell yeah. <laughs> but that'll. That'll lap that'll wrap up, excuse me, our list this week of the the safeties who are you call them what? The last line of defense, yeah. the watchful protectors, the dark knights. <laughs> That's what we're Whoa. calling. The Make dark, dark knights. knights. See skinny Batman. <laughs> That's Devonta Smith. Yep. Now I'm excited about this one. Me and Fur have been talking about this for about a week since the idea was conceived in my mind. Um, <laughs> this one, this is this is a good one. So then this is a new game, and it's called Sportscast. I went back and forth with trying to fit in other n- names to it, but we are casting movies with sports figures. That's That's what we're doing. And this week, we have to start with the blockbuster of the summer. Sorry, Barbie. I liked your movie, too. But the one that is the best in cinema in 2023, maybe in the 2020s in totality, that is the 2000s in totality. And that's Oppenheimer, directed and written by none other than the GOAT, Christopher Nolan. So me and Fur are going to cast the main roles of Oppenheimer specifically with people in the NFL. So we'll both go through six characters and our casting choices there. And you'll you'll hear it. We kind of went very different stylistically. And since we did do that, I think it makes sense for one of us to go entirely and then for another to go entirely. So that like the logic <laughs> follows from character to character to character. So fur. I know you were pumped about this one, so I'm gonna let you kick it off with the with the casting here on Sportscast. Oh man! All right, let's do it. Let me get that well, banner up there too. For real. Ooh. Okay, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Who plays Oppenheimer? I've got Aaron Rodgers <laughs> as none other than J. Robert Oppenheimer. Because he is, um, you know, incredibly talented, um, little, uh, little, um, little arrogant, a little, 
Oh God. Just incredible at, uh, you know, he just <laughs> sees the field in a different, you know, Oppenheimer saw the world in a different, you know, element, you know, they just interpret the physics of their respective games and fields <laughs> different. So I got Rogers as Oppenheimer. That's the focal point. Everything else kind of revolves around Aaron Rodgers as Oppenheimer. So that's where I got, that's where I decided to cast Louis Strauss, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character as Brian Gutekunst. Woo, his, uh, his, his, you know, his, his rival at the end of the day, they met, they met, they worked together, they were buddies, uh, you know, and then, um, then, you know, things just kind of shit just hit the fan and they had different opinions on, you know, where, where to go with their respective work. And, um, and by the end they were, you know, running it, you know, I don't know, you know, <laughs> Gutekunst ran, I don't know. I mean, it's just the, it's not that deep. <laughs> like, like Gutekunst, it doesn't hate Rogers. Say the line, say <laughs> Louis Strauss's line about Oppenheimer. He didn't have the patience. <laughs> Oppenheimer. Strauss? Wait. Yeah, what Strauss what Strauss says about Oppenheimer. Like uh mere mortals. You know that line? Oh yeah, yeah. True. Strauss says about Oppenheimer, he's like, he didn't have the patience to deal with us mere mortals. <laughs> That's so good with Rogers for sure. Because I mean Rogers definitely has elemented at elevated to a god level in Green Bay and you know, uh and, you know, some people got to, like, kind of keep them in check, you know, <laughs> keep them, uh, keep the profits, you know. When Rogers talks, the people hear a profit. When Gutekunst talks, they hear themselves. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, either way, they, uh, they, they, they butt heads. And, um, right, like, Gutekunst and Rogers didn't work together until after Rogers achieved, or Oppenheimer achieved his, you know, great achievement, which was a Super Bowl and creating an atomic bomb. <laughs> <laughs> so, so good yeah good is good is Strauss. they work together severed ties kind of got a little petty um but at the end of the day you know oppenheimer or aaron Rodgers wouldn't uh they do it all the same again they wouldn't change a thing <laughs> they want to be the most important man in their organization or universe <laughs> so that was my kind of thought process between the Rodgers. Gutekunst, Oppenheimer, Strauss, dynamic. <laughs> and now we pivot over to General Groves, who is played by Mike McCarthy. Yep, that's right. We're sticking with the Packers uh, cast because it's all about the relationships, and the, that's how I approach mine, at least. Um, Mike McCarthy in general, as General Groves is nice because Groves and Oppenheimer you know, work together on a project. Uh, they achieved their project. They achieved their goal. But at first, um, Groves did not want Oppenheimer. He was like, screw this guy. Like, I'm not considering him at all. Um, and same thing happened between McCarthy and Rodgers. McCarthy was offensive coordinator or something offensive for the Niners. Yep. yep. And he told them not to draft Rodgers with the first overall pick. So <laughs> that's where I got that little parallel, you know, Groves. Uh, but eventually they had to work together and they had to get the job done and they did. And, um, you know, a lot of the narratives always try to paint uh, McCarthy and Rogers as, you know, butting heads and as, you know, really, yeah, they're, they're painted as opponents 
Um, but you know, at the end of the day, they had each other's, they said they had each other's backs. They respect each other. And, um, same thing with Groves and Oppenheimer. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, though, Gutekunst, that was the real opponent of Rogers. So that's why it's Strauss. Oh man, this is perfect. Okay. Next <laughs> Albertine. Uh, this is not so perfect. Um, <laughs> I, I feel good about this one. Edward Teller, the guy, you know, the, the, your bomb is stupid. We want to build my bomb instead. Um, <laughs> That's Edward Teller is Patrick Mahomes because you know if I'm <laughs> if I'm looking at these scientists as quarterbacks, Oppenheimer was Rogers, uh, you know, and if Rogers is the most was the most talented QB to ever play the game, more talented than Brady, you know, not as whatever great and accomplished, but more talented, the greatest, uh, you know, until someone came came along and built a bigger bomb, and that was Pat Mahomes. He is by far, you know. The H bomb dwarfs the uh, whatever the first one. <laughs> the A bomb, yep. Yeah, the A bomb. <laughs> so, uh, yep. Uh, so I got Pat Mahomes as Edward Teller because that's big time. You know, that's huge. That's that's talk about bombs, bazookas, deep throws, all that. Yep. So now I'm gonna continue along with a little bit with the scientists as QBs. I gotta put Albert Einstein as Tom Brady. I, I had to include Brady if I was getting all these. Uh, I don't know, these QB goats in, involved, you know, and Einstein is the face of science, really, uh, pretty much. Brady has become the face of football, definitely. Um, yeah. And, you know, just pretty much right there. Uh, Oppenheimer slash Rogers sometimes links up with, you know, Einstein slash Brady. <laughs> they, uh, you know, might be going to him for advice, asking him, you know, what to do. How do you uh, how do you do it, you know? <laughs> So, uh, you know, or they're just hanging out and walking in the woods or playing golf and whatever. So admiring the structure of trees. Exactly, man. Powerful. <laughs> so that's, yeah, Brady is Einstein just for the, I guess, the big legacy and fame and all that. Um, and then I'm, I threw in, I guess, you know, I, it was a hard time, but uh, I'm going to put Brett Favre as Niels Bohr. <laughs> How about that? It's just because, you know, he worked together with uh, Oppenheimer back in the day and they respect each other um, even after they, you know, I don't know, stopped working together or whatever. And, you know, just some of the old legends, Favre and Brady as Einstein and Bohr. And, um, you know, then you got the new guys like Rogers and Mahomes just changing the game. And, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What was it? Um, something about Brady and Einstein. Um, Proved him wrong. No, <laughs> I don't know. But oh, before his, you know his time. Oh yeah, that's right. They were like, oh, Einstein was the greatest mind of his whatever, you know, of the of his, of the world. And Oppenheimer's like, nope, the greatest of his time. So yep, hey, <laughs> Rogers is better than Brady. That's part. That's part of it. We'll see though. I mean, I don't know, talent wise. So, anyways, those are the six characters, right? Yep, that's right. right. That's I. I bow to you. <laughs> Excellent job. See, Fur, you were able to build a narrative out of your casting. So <laughs> I respect that for the creativity. And it all worked. All the pieces fit. I like it a lot. Thanks. <laughs> sir, now, sir. <laughs> mine is a lot more surface level. I went almost exclusively off of looks. Well, I like I like your casting of Einstein better than mine. Whoo! Well, we will get there. <laughs> so let's uh, 
let's start in the same order. So starting with J. Robert Oppenheimer, the J stands for apparently nothing as in <laughs> nothing, movie, <apparently>. but it <laughs> but it stands for Julius. But for me, my casting of Robert Oppenheimer is Kyle Shanahan. And the reason is one from a look standpoint, like kind of like, you know, skinny face, darker hair. Yeah. Like almost like, you know, short, you know, darker, short hair. So that was part of it, but also Kyle G Kyle, uh, Kyle Shanahan being the boy genius. Like that's, yeah. that's part of it too. It's and a good, uh, good choice. I really leaned heavy into the coaching route here because, uh, Lewis Strauss is Pete Carroll. Now, if I'm going more deeper than the, the looks and age and stuff like that, you know, Pete Carroll and Kyle Shanahan, they're rivals, you know, they're, yeah. they're going against each other. So Absolutely. that was part of the thinking there. So that's the route that I went with. Uh, you know, instead of Robert Downey Jr., we got Pete Carroll. I don't know if I could see Lewis Strauss uh, in front of Congress chewing gum, but <laughs> I could uh, I could see him being an opponent of Kyle Shanahan's Oppenheimer. Absolutely. General General Grove is where I went with uh, with Dan Campbell. And uh, looks a little bit, not like super far into it, but then it's also just like the persona. Like I feel like for him, like, you know, he's got like that general type of uh, sergeant. Right, exactly. Drill sergeant, you know, telling people about biting kneecaps and probably telling the Lions that like, you know, training camp wearing pads is the most important thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. <laughs> Hell yeah. So Dan Campbell as General Grove, I think he'd do a good job there. Albert Einstein uh, had to go. This one is like the first one I thought of, and that's Andy Reid. Two thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> Just like the looks with who plays Albert Einstein with and also so, with Andy Reid. So jolly too. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that personality fits too. Like, yeah, the jolly, just being more, you know, a genius, but like so happy-go-lucky. And Andy Reid is kind of like, you know, the first offensive genius of our time before, you know, Kyle Shanahan really took, you know, took that kind of reins as far as like title of like best play designer and whatnot. So it does make sense there. Edward Teller. I really, really struggled with this one. I, I went back and forth. Now, if I was veering off of my coaching tree or the route that I went there, I thought Big Ben kind of looked like the, act, the actor <laughs> for Edward Teller. But if I was staying in the coaching realm, I'd go with uh, with uh, Brian Dayball. I thought, you know, kind of like it doesn't necessarily look like him, but Edward Teller is a little huskier in the movie itself, especially when he's you know up there in age too. But like he's huge and he's sweating. <laughs> <laughs> and I can see Dayball being a you know being the sweater out there too. So I went back and forth with that one. So sticking with coaches, we'll stay with Dayball. And then Niels Bohr, you know, how many people do you know that proved Einstein wrong? Well, in the coaching world, that would be Bill Belichick, you know, having, you know, being the guy who can outsmart Andy Reid from time to time and kind of being on like opposite ends of the spectrum as far as offense versus defense. So that's what the route I went there. And it's always good to get the, the genius coach of our era into this, you know, genius group of scientists in, in history. So yeah, Niels Bohr wraps up that cast with uh, with Bill Belichick taking the reins. 
Yep. I like your Einstein and Bohr a hell of a lot more than, than mine. That's, that's <laughs> what, uh, you know, someone had to be, someone had to step up to the role. I mean, yeah. I mean, Andy Reid is so jolly. Yeah, that's Einstein, not Tom Brady. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Sometimes you overthink it, you know? Yep. Agreed. <laughs> All right. Well, Let's pivot into our final topic today. You know, Sportscast was a lot of fun. Wait, wait, wait. Last one. Last wait, wait. <laughs> Honorable mention. Roger Robb and the Congress that's interrogating Oppenheimer and Strauss the whole movie, and they're just going, you, 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 you. That's, uh, that's the NFL media. Because <laughs> they just wanted to pick pick uh, Rogers and Goot and everyone apart until they got their way. And, yep. yep. So, I, sorry. I just, uh, I couldn't let that slide. I had to get the, you, 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 you. One of the greatest scenes in the movie is that whole interrogation, especially when it climaxes. So if you haven't seen Oppenheimer yet, go to a theater, see it now. Don't wait for it to come to your couch. Go out and see it. Oh, yeah. You got to hear the sound. We don't work for them, I swear. (laughs) So let's, let's take a break from our inaugural version of Sportscast, which was a lot of fun, something that I think should return. Hell yeah, I was happy to be on the first one of it. It was a good time. <laughs> oh, you're part of the inspiration with uh Furs, one of the one of the ones carrying the weight for the box office with Oppenheimer. Yep, someone's gotta do it. <laughs> We're gonna catch Absolutely. up to Barbie. Yeah, you know, <laughs> not. over time. Probably not, but <laughs> sure. Better ratings. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. And that'll bring us to the final topic today as we're at that hour and a half mark. So we'll we'll be wrapping up with a little bit of fantasy here. So it's fantasy football season. Hope you got your draft scheduled. If you've done them already, cancel that, reschedule it too early. Come on. Seriously. <laughs> but now if you're getting ready for it, we're going to talk about our favorite targets and our least favorite targets. Who do we love this year and who are we absolutely not touching? So – Let's start with the positive. You know, we got a positive vibe going here. And I'll kick off with my first favorite target this year and talked about him briefly earlier, and that's Najee Harris. And the reason he's my one of my favorites is you can get him a little bit later than last year. Last year he was a first-round pick. I drafted him twice in the first round last year. And another part is, is that my trend in fantasy is I get people a year before their best season. So I had him last year. This year will be his best season. Najee kicks it off for me. Hell yeah. Break the trend. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Najee, huh? Well, I mean, yeah, I, that's like definitely a good one. Um, I was kind of going a little more deep, deep cut a little bit. I mean, I can maybe pick a higher, I'm going to start off with, uh, my sleeper pick. Which you know, it just makes a lot of sense. But uh, do DeAndre Swift? Come on, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what they got Penny, Gainwell, and him? Like, yep. I mean, they could definitely split a ton, but I could all you know, if anyone's gonna run away with it, it's gonna be Swift. You know, that old line. I mean, geez. So I mean, you know, obviously not probably not taking him within the first four or five. Well, maybe start thinking about them, you know, sixth or fifth round, maybe. Maybe. You know, if especially yeah. if I'm if you're light at running back, you know, might as well just swipe them and don't even wait, you know. I mean <laughs> No, I like that one a lot. And he's someone who I have been targeting too. So we might be competing. Fur and I are actually drafting back to back in our league together. 
So Man. we might be fighting over some of these guys. Can't um, believe we're spilling this. I know. <laughs> and some of the people that watch know who, you know, they're in our leagues. Um, but I, I agree with that one because it was the same logic I had last year. I drafted Miles Sanders in a couple of franchises because not necessarily because Miles Sanders is so good, but because the Eagles run game is so good and someone's got to get the carries there outside of Jalen hurts. So I agree with that. And Deandre Swift is probably actually more talented than Miles Sanders. I would think so he could be due for a nice season. He hasn't had an overly heavy workload over the course of his career to this point with his time in Detroit. So I, right. I like that pick. Could be, uh, could be, you know, looking back on it and thinking like, how did we not pick him in the first like four rounds, you know? Right. Ooh, maybe. Yeah. Now I'm going to stick with a Steeler here and go with a slightly deeper cut than my original pick. And I'm going to talk about this guy that I talked about earlier, George Pickens. I oh. I think he's a, he, he's a streaking player in, in fantasy. I'm not alone in him being a favorite target, but for me, he's definitely someone I'm looking at. Absolutely. You know, they got, the, they got them weapons, some guys that are, you know, going to step up. Got a whole lot of options. Pickens, though, for sure. What round do you eyeing him? Can't say. Dude, oh, almost, almost. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me try to. I mean, I know who I'm staying away from. No, I'm not saying that yet, though. One more, one Calvin more Ridley. target. Calvin ah, Ridley. I had him too. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Calvin Ridley, uh, just so you know, you got to take them in round two if you want to take them from me. Oh, for sure. So that's you know not happening. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> he's he's gonna have a monster year for sure. You know, um, no doubt. All right, fine. Then I'll sprinkle in my uh, la- uh, sleeper, Dalton Kincaid. Brr. Oh, I like right? that one. <laughs> I uh, I got him in our mock draft the other the other night that we did. So man, we're really gonna be fighting for each other's picks. Uh, that's right. Hey, Kincaid, though, I mean, yeah. So I guess those are my sleepers, you know. Got one early, mid, and late a little bit. Yeah. I like it. And, yeah, we were able to cover a decent amount of ground there with, like, the, you know, places you can get those guys. My last one to make note of here briefly is Garrett Wilson, which he's going to be a high pick, but I'm I'm all in on Garrett Wilson. Yep. I mean, I, 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 you know, I don't disagree with it when you said you would uh, top three receiver this year in fantasy. Yeah. You know, as long as everything goes right with the yeah health and O-line, but definitely though. I mean, yeah. I mean, either way, O-line or not, he's putting up numbers. Yeah. Last year he did with Zach Wilson, Mike White <laughs> and Joe Flacco. Yeah, no, exactly. O-line or not, he's definitely putting up numbers. <laughs> And I feel comfortable saying that because no one will draft him higher than I am willing to. <laughs> Def, I mean, I think it's, it's a good year for it, for a bold swing at the seventh overall oh. pick. Yep. Now let's go a little negative to wrap up fantasy. Who are we absolutely not touching? Like not even with a 39 and a half foot pole. <laughs> um, Alexander Madison. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Dude, they're they're totally bringing in like you said earlier. They're totally bringing in Fournette or Hunt or something because Madison, when when by the time it hits like week five and he hasn't 
gotten over 100 yards, or maybe once he did, but he's just getting stuffed. Goodbye. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a homer pick, but uh, I, I'm not touching him. It'd have to be at the right spot for me to consider it, but I've also been a very, very vocal about this. Like this year in fantasy, I am no longer going to do the, oh, I can't believe this person fell to me or this person's still available strategy. I'm not doing it. It always gets me in trouble. Yeah. So, yeah, he, I guess he's someone I'm not touching either. And staying with running backs, Alvin Kamara. He's someone yeah. who in years past, if he fell to me in the second round, I would have been like, <laughs> but now it's going to be like, nope, no, thank you. Yeah. No, missing three or four games or not. And Jamal Williams is going to steal carries. Oh, for sure. Hell yeah. I drafted Jamal Williams in our mock the other day. <laughs> Late. He's a beast. So yeah. Who, who would I stay away from? Uh, I mean, might as well stick with this. Oh yeah. I already said uh, Madison, but Michael Thomas too. Stay away. I mean, everyone knows that at this point. If anything, he's got to prove us wrong. <laughs> yep. He was uh, he was my second player on the list here, too. So I, I figured, you know, like I fell into that. I, I stepped in that bear trap last year, you know, and, and you know, and I was stuck in it. <sighs> Anyways, <laughs> the next player on my list is another receiver, and that's Adam Thielen. There's reasons to like him as he might be the number one on the Panthers, but I, I can't trust it. No, thank you. Yeah. I, yeah, no. I mean, Panthers, we'd have to see, you know, I mean, or he'd have to fall to you. <laughs> no. Maybe in like the eighth round. True. Let's see. Someone else, someone that I wouldn't touch. Uh, probably, uh, you know, Kyle Pitts. I mean, I, uh, I had him uh, last two years or so in one of my other leagues. And um, yeah, no, I don't know. It's not happening. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. He's, he's scary to try to take, you know, how many more times can you be burned before it's, you know, the, you know, fool me once yeah. so on and so forth. I mean, someone's going to take him high cause he's pretty, pretty sick and Madden, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, my next person I'm absolutely not touching is Marquise Brown. I don't want, I want no piece of Hollywood. Yeah, that's definitely fair. I don't really want anyone on the Cardinals to be totally honest. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Kyler Murray. I mean, I mean, obviously how long is he out for? I mean, even if, even when he comes back, stay away. <laughs> they might be tanking. Right. Yeah, for real. Do you have any other listed on the, Stay away. In a bad way. Uh, I mean, no, nah, not really. I mean, Russell Wilson, but <laughs> even even this year. Okay, you are all right. Well, by the end of this year, you know, who knows? But just based off of last year, I'm not touching him. You know, even if not even as a backup quarterback. Oh, well, I guess. <laughs> so I you guess, would touch him. I guess that's part of it. <laughs> True, but no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> my final untouchable in a bad way is Josh Jacobs because I have no idea what's going on there and I am not high on the Raiders either. Yeah. I want no part of it, especially with how high you'd have to take them. What, when, when would you take them if you fell and you just can't refuse? Cause it's Josh Jacobs third round. 
Yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. He's going to go in early second, I think. Yeah, someone. Yeah. Yeah, tis the season. Coming tis real soon. Season. Yep, excited for it. Fantasy draft season. And we were able to do a mock the other night, so got a good feel for it. Excited for it. Hope this helped you guys with some ideas on who people in general are high on and who were a high on as well, and also who you should be really sticking away from. That being said, that absolutely wraps up what we have here today on Mad Talk Sports episode 33. So that'll do it for this week, but next week we will be back breaking down more before the NFL season, going through another division of the ceiling to floor and the overall analysis in between another list as we continue that series there. And we'll see what else we got exciting to talk about when that time rolls around. But for tonight, that's a wrap Fur, Thank you again for joining. Thanks for having me. It's fun. Uh, you know, tis the season football Oppenheimer. <laughs> Oppenheimer. That was, that was definitely a highlight. But yeah, thank you, everyone, to the, for to the future fan casts or sports casts that you do. Looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, I've ooh, mine's already rolling a little bit with what would be some good ideas there. With you know, not even just blockbusters now, but classics. So yeah, definitely excited yeah. about that.